is Reasons to be Mindful, a podcast about everyday people who practice some form of mindfulness or meditation to make life easier and more enjoyable. I'm your host, Jen Hill, founder of Right Brain Liaisons. And I'm interested in how people apply different techniques and practices to keep their mind fit, healthy, and better able to deal with the unavoidable challenges of being human. Is my mic working now? Yes, I can hear you. Excellent. Today on the podcast, you'll hear from Kadri Alvat. Kadri was born on Ghana land and is of Estonian heritage. Kadri has spent her career working in the public school system as a counsellor, a music and vocational education teacher. Kadri has a keen interest in well-being and considers herself a lifelong learner in all facets of life and being human. Kadri, thank you so much for your time. It's lovely to chat with you. You're welcome. It's great to be here. Can you tell us your story about your introduction to meditation? I started dabbling with different research when I was around 19, with visits to Buddha House and joining some meditation groups there. And every now and again I would go on retreats. So I always had an inquisitive mind about what meditation was, um, and I think that was from my upbringing. My mother was sort of very spiritual and brought me up that way and always exposed me to different things, meditation and um, sort of metaphysical practices. So, yeah, she played a very big part as well. So that was sort of on and off. I'm the sort of person where I'd like to, to adapt things which would suit me. So I take a little bit of this and a little bit of that from different practices to suit my my daily life, I guess. Where I think it really changed for me um, to become, a, I guess, a, a day-to-day meditator um, was in 2002. I think my mum was diagnosed with Alzheimer's and my son at the time, he was under two, so I was sort of supporting my mum and dad and, you know, with a young child and also I was um, a school counsellor. So I needed to be really present myself and um, in control of my own thoughts and emotions, both for my family but also for my work. So that's when I started to consciously meditate every day it sort of went on and off, but I, I did try to do that. And the other thing that happened, I think, in 2007 was my, my dad was diagnosed with Alzheimer's as well. So I had both parents that I was caring for and then I had two young children, partner, work. I was uh, school counselling. So that's when I really decided that I need to be disciplined in order to be present for myself but present for Um, everybody else um, in my work life and my personal life, especially in counselling where I really had to be present for deep listening and really be authentic in my approach to dealing with some, yeah, some very intense issues with young people. And um, a lot of that was around mental health 
and uh, suicide prevention. So that's when I began really every morning waking up 5.40 and consciously doing my meditation for 40 to 45 minutes. Sounds like you've had quite a lot of supporting of other people in your life, both parents, family, then obviously in your work. Uh, and you mentioned yeah. being, being present there. Would you say, mm. is that one of the greatest gifts that you could offer in support of someone else? Oh, absolutely. I think too often when we have appointments and we're listening to somebody's personal story, it's very hard if you keep to a scheduled time and you cut somebody off or I can't talk anymore or it really sort of sets up that precedent for that young person or an, an adult that you're not really interested and you're not really listening and and you can't sort of really ascertain what the best course of action is and how to support them. So I think that's that's very, very important. And I think that skill of that deep listening, I think I've just continued to carry that on. I'm not in school counselling anymore. I'm doing pathways and vet courses um, in schools now, but I also um, support probably our most vulnerable students in our school who are part of our flexible learning options program. So those skills, I know that, you know, I really try to carry those through in, in every facet of my interactions with other human beings, I guess. Yeah. And does that practice of yours also help to replenish your, your stores, your resilience and ability to be of such great support to so many people? It does. I think the, the biggest lesson for me, in 2014, I did the mindfulness-based stress reduction course. And I did that with Catherine Johnson, who was doing a PhD at Flinders Uni on mindfulness practice with young people. And um, that was a real changer for me and a shift from moving from just not meditation and trying to empty my mind because that's I was quite often trying to empty my mind because I overthink things and I always have been a, a thinker so by doing mindfulness practice it really learned me to pay attention to the present moment and live more in the present moment and I must say that is something that has probably governed my meditation practice is to be in the present moment to sit with, you know, sometimes the most uncomfortable and worst feelings and just be present with them and trusting that, I mean, they, they do pass. And by just acknowledging those feelings and being in the present moment, you know, you can move forwards. Yeah. Yeah, it's a real skill, incredibly valuable one, isn't it? We've, we're um, conditioned to avoid anything challenging Absolutely. or too emotional. Mm -hmm. One thing which was interesting a couple of days ago, I posted something on, on Twitter. I was feeling just really frustrated just with, you know, everything that's happening globally, COVID-19, Black Lives Matter. And sometimes, yeah, I just get to these really empath moments of, you know, where I just take everything on and need to know everything that's going on. And then sometimes in those moments you do, you feel quite sort of helpless and you know, emotionally stressed. But once again, it it was really important for me just to recognise that that's just how I was feeling and to acknowledge that and, and a past, you know. But I did get sort of some comments 
where people were suggesting, well, you're not being true to your meditation practice. You know, is, you know, how can you say that you meditate? So that brought some interesting insights, I guess, from people who were being quite judgmental about, I guess, other people's, um, you know, responses and emotions. Because to me, I felt that I was in that present moment. I was just saying that this is how it's, I'm feeling at the minute, but I will get through it but it's important to acknowledge that, you know, I was just feeling overwhelmed by it all. Now you mentioned um, just kind of practically speaking that you meditate for in the morning for 45 yes. minutes or so every day. Yep. Is there any particular techniques that you tend to use? Yeah, there's, there's one sort of mantra that I say out aloud, which I was trying to think sort of today how long I've been saying that. I pro- probably... I'd say maybe 18, 20 years. So before a meditation or any activity, I always um, say the mantra to myself, in this meditation, I ask for peace, clarity and stillness of mind and I ask for the correct action to flow through me at all times. So that, that's my daily mantra. Um, yeah. I open a, a meditation and I think I always say that. Um, I just believe that the human body our spirit or our mind especially it's it's like conditioning a computer so i just feel that putting that program into me um sort of you know triggers the response for my mind to relax and open up and just to be present for whatever happens in a meditation because i mean sometimes it's an absolute disaster but that doesn't matter it's about being present that oh i just could not you know do it today but i i per, you know persisted so, you know, every morning's um, meditation and mindfulness has a different result. And I think it's about being open to that's okay and not being judgmental of yourself. That's the most important thing. There's no right or wrong way. And just acknowledging that feeling good that, wow, you know, I'm doing this every day. It sounds like that attention to intention could really mm. set you up for the day. Yes, just, it does. Yeah, as you say, sort of programming your, your mind. You're listening to Reasons to be Mindful, a podcast for people interested in bringing more mindfulness, i.e. presence, into daily life. Can you tell us a bit about how you transfer what you've learned in your formal meditation practice into your daily life? Yes, especially at work. It's easy for me to recognise when my mind is racing and I'm worried about, you know, something that has not yet happened or how a meeting may go or, you know, a conversation I might have had yesterday. When I feel that coming on, I just take five minutes of just mindful breathing, just simply focusing on breathing in and breathing out and listening to those words every time I breathe in and breathe out, just with a, a timer. I use Insight Timer daily um, as an app. Um, so just using the timer on there and and then that just refocuses me again. So that's been really, really important. But definitely with um, students as well and, and with staff for I think about five years with um, when I was in the um, executive uh, team at the school here, we used to have just five minutes of mindfulness meditation at the beginning of our executive meetings at school. And yeah, I, I felt that was a 
felt very proud to sort of lead that, I guess, in the school with, with another colleague, Rose. So I think that was some good intention for leaders in the school to do. But I guess everybody, you know, is on a different journey. Some people don't use mindfulness or meditation at all, but I think just for them to experience even five minutes every so now and again puts that thought in their head that, you know, well, they can do this. Students, you know, um, just focusing on breathing is um, a, a really good way just to for them to calm down, especially if they're very heightened in any way. Colouring in, drawing, listening to music. So all those mindfulness activities, going for a walk, paying attention to the birds. I'm a big one for birds. I just notice birds all the time. So when I'm outside, I always notice what birds are in the grounds. You know, I talk to the crows and the magpies and the cockatiels that are here and, and the black cockatoos that sometimes sort of visit Morfitt Vale. It's, um, yeah, just daily just noticing things I think is really important. Have you got any practical tips you'd like to share? Something that has helped me, because I guess my morning meditation varies from listening to guided meditations or just using a timer and um, and just intuitively going with what's happening. I think that there's a lot there's a lot of amazing guided meditations out there. And um, I think, you know, that's a really good way for anyone to tap into trying different forms of meditation. And, uh, and I'll go back to, I mean, Insight Timer, that's probably the, the app that I've used the most and for the longest period of time. And, and I've just had, like, go-to people, um, like Andy Hobson and Tara Brach are my two go-to people um, on Insight Timer. And that's because, for me, it's really important, the voice that I hear, there are some voices that, you know, I, just, I can't listen to. So it's just trial and error, really, about sort of what you connect with. So that, that's been really, really helpful is, yeah, is having that, that guided space. And um, Andy Hobson especially, because he focuses on mindfulness and the mindfulness of breath um, in all of his meditations. So I, I find that they really help. It sounds like you have not only the open mind but also the open heart to be able to mm. hold space for other people who are in a vulnerable situation or dealing with challenges. Yeah. What would you say to someone who says they don't have the headspace to meditate? I guess I always encourage people that it is achievable and I do share, I guess, my own experience that there, there is no right method or way you need to find your own way and what you're comfortable with but the thing that I have always shared with students is the difference for me in meditating and practicing mindfulness for a long time is the is the difference between meditation not medication because there is definitely you know probably three times in my life where I guess you know in, in Western medicine, I would have been put on antidepressants most definitely. And I can recognise now in my teenagers or growing up that I was highly anxious. But back then, because I'm a, you know, baby boomer, I'm 57. So, um, you know, back then there was no mental health. There was no diagnosis for anxiety especially. But I can reflect now and look back and think, you know, I had pretty full-on social anxiety where I was not comfortable to be in social settings. 
I was very judgmental about myself and the thoughts were racing all the time. So for me, that's why I don't take, you know, lifelong learning very lightly because for me it has been lifelong learning to firstly be comfortable with myself and confident so I'm able to speak to, you know, other people confidently but also just, you know, managing those times when I might be feeling depressed or anxious and I've got a tool that I use. The insight and the self-awareness that you've described is possibly one of the most beautiful things about meditation, but sadly Mm. some people may be challenged by that idea of insight and self-awareness. What have you learnt about yourself or about life? So I've, I've learnt that the most important thing is to experience life right now. So I think the most important learning is about human nature and about emotions and feelings, what they are, how to feel them, how to respond to them, and, you know, how it can help sort of develop what the next pathway is, you know, what, what's going to happen next. There's always something coming up next. I don't know what that is, but um, it'll be just exciting as all the other things. <laughs> I, I think, yeah, just recognising that um, I'm, I'm present in my life. That's all for today's episode. A huge thanks to Kadri for her generous and candid sharing of her meditation story, along with the various tips and insights she's gained along the way. And another huge thanks to you, dear listener, for listening. Next week, we'll be talking with Tarek Samur, Associate Professor and Surgeon at the Royal Adelaide Hospital, about his use of visualization before performing surgery. You can find links mentioned in today's episode in the podcast summary. And if you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss future tips, stories and inspiration. This podcast is not a substitute for professional medical advice. Always see your doctor with any questions regarding your health and well-being. Have a great week and bye for now. Thank you so much. It's been wonderful to do it. See See ya.